Hello everyone, this is Marcus, the creator of Butte Podcast. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. The first thing is that it's absolutely free. The second thing is that Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more platforms. I know you're wondering, what must I do next? I'm glad you asked. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. This is Marcus, the creator of Rebuke, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace. My name is Jerry Gibson, and I'm a therapist. I work with Complete Counseling. It's at 18 Regal Drive, Southwest, in Huntsville, Alabama, next to Parkway Place Mall. You can reach me at 256-213-1934, and you are listening to Rebuke. Hi, I'm Sherry Gibson, and I am a therapist also. I work at Complete Counseling. Um, you can like our page on Facebook with Complete Counseling. Um, our address is 810 Regal Drive, Huntsville, Alabama, and you're listening to Rebuke. Hi, I'm Sarita Colvin. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and you're listening to Rebuke. Marcus Jones, I'll go by Marcus J, and this is the show Rebuke. Uh, like first start off, uh, thanking everyone for the support and encouragement words to uh, start the show. A little hesitant at first, but uh, I knew this was a great idea. Uh, we have a great show today for the first episode for Rebuke, and for those that don't know where Rebuke is, is it's, it's an acronym for Reestablishing Black Unity, Knowledge, Education, and Economics. So I, on this podcast, I wanted to uh, touch on those key elements in the black uh, community and, and ensure that we are exercising and practicing those at the utmost at all times. Uh, before we go into the show, let me, we go ahead and go into the, give the title. The title, today's first episode is a very, uh, is a very personal because uh, I had a family member to try to uh, uh, <coughs> take their life recently in a few months ago, but uh, they didn't succeed. But so with that and hearing all the negative uh, publicity on on the news in the black community regarding this topic, I, I decided this will be the f- actual first show, first topic for the show. So the f- topic for today is bullying, suicide. And our black youth. Before we get engaged in the show, I would like for our guests to introduce themselves, give a little small synopsis about your, your background, and uh, once we're done with that, we go ahead and get into the show. Okay. 
Uh, my name's Jerry Gibson. Um, I'm a LPC, NCC, MAC. Uh, those are my credentials. Uh, private practice therapist. Uh, we work at Complete Counseling. I work with my wife. We work with behaviors. We deal with a lot of suicide. We deal with bullying, uh, anger management. Um, my history, I, I guess I'll go into my history real quick. Uh, we work with, and I say we because me and my wife has pretty much worked together in this whole facet of changing from careers. Uh, we worked in drug court. We've also worked in prisons with kids with behavior and sexual issues. Um, worked in a residential treatment facility. Uh, private practice has always been something that we've done and something that is true and dear to our heart, but also trying to make a difference in the community. Appreciate it, Jerry. And Sherry? Hi, I'm Sherry Gibson, and I am a therapist also. I currently have my ALC. Um, probably in a couple months I have my LPC. Um, but kind of piggybacking off my husband, Jerry, I have worked uh, with substance abuse mostly um, so far in my career. Now I'm working with kids. Um, but there's a lot of bullying in our neighborhood as far as our culture that does not get spoken on. So that is something that I'm very interested in talking to you guys tonight about. Hello, my name is Sarita Colvin. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, LCSW. I'm licensed in the states of Missouri and Alabama. I have about 14 years of experience working in the mental health field. Um, I have served children and adults, so to age 99 and 100 if you ask me nicely. Um, I have worked with on the Suicide Lifeline for about five years, and in doing so, um, suicide prevention has become a huge passion of mine, especially as our numbers increase um, in the community and just overall, no matter the age, our numbers have been increasing steadily over the past 10 years and we've got to do something about it. All right, Sharila, I thank you all for introducing yourselves to the public uh, and giving your credentials. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into the topic and hopefully uh, the people in the community can learn something, uh, take it back home with them, and disseminate the information uh, as fast as possible. Before I engage to the first question, I just want to go ahead and list some, state some things. Uh, Shanti Davis, 10 years old girl in Colorado, in 2017 committed suicide because of bullying. Gabriel Tay, 8-year-old killed himself in Cincinnati for being bullied. Kevin Reese, 10-year-old boy from Houston, hanged himself because of bullying. Ryan Tay Hagen killed himself, and he was an honor student. Philip Spriggle, 11 years old, killed himself because of bullying. Nigel Shelby of Huntsville, Alabama, 15 years old, killed himself because of being bullied for being a homosexual. And this one hurts my heart. Mackenzie Adams of Demopolis, Alabama, nine years old, committed suicide because of being bullied with racial slurs. So with saying all those names, I was wanted to just make this as personal as possible and let everybody know that it's just a very serious topic. So the first question we're going to go ahead and dive in. I'm going to ask 
Sharita. Uh, what is the clinical definition of bullying? The clinical, there really isn't a clinical definition for bullying. But if we wanted to um, look at the most popular bullying types, because mm-hmm. um, when you say clinical, I'm thinking of the DSM 5. Okay. And it's not in there. Okay. <laughs> I got too deep for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. This okay. Is what's the definition no, of bullying? Yeah. Okay. So we can go there. <laughs> Glad to bring some light to this topic. Um, but bullying is the act of humiliating an individual on any basis, be it physical, um, be it emotional, be it environmental, that is used to torment and aggravate an individual. And when it comes to bullying, I, I do want us to understand that it's just not kids. So when you hear bullying, don't just automatically think of kids bullying other kids, but adults bully too. And I think that has a lot to do with what we're seeing with the kids. Mm, Very interesting. Interesting. Um, Jerry, I'm going to ask you the second question. Uh, Before I go to the second question, anybody want to piggyback on bullying? I just want to piggyback on what she said, which I think was very intelligent because it's learned behavior. That's the, mm. You know, we, we hear bullying. What I think of is learned behavior. If you teach it, they're going to regurgitate it. And if we teach the right things, they're going to regurgitate that. Um, I think all of us have worked with kids. And one of the things that I know, and I, I don't want to take up too much time, mm-hmm. all of us work with kids. And the one thing that I know, if you don't help the parents and you put the kids right back in the same situation, you're going to get the same results. Mm. That's, that's what I would piggyback and say. Cool. Well, since you answered piggyback on Sarita, I'm going to go ahead and take it to your wife. Um, when me growing up as an army brat, and a lot of army brats, we get them to fight a lot. We fight a lot just to try to prove ourselves. And I was picked on and bullied growing up in middle school and uh, elementary school, but we didn't think about killing ourselves. And we had our issues with our fist and I kind of gained a reputation as the short dude act angry dude with the fist. Um, so my question is to you, Sherry, uh, why is this generation of kids committing suicide instead of trying to resolve their issues with their hands? Like, like me and others of the past. Me personally, I think from seeing from some of the kids that I've worked with, I think it comes to not being able to communicate because now as the young as this generation compared to my generation that I can that I grew up in I didn't have cell phone, I didn't have internet, I didn't have all these video games that you see. Um so it's it's and I'm not blaming that on the reason why, but this takes the attention it up and we communicate they don't go out there and and fight one day then come back oh we we cool we dap it up and we cool we back at it again you know but now it's either i'm gonna go in here and and take something or hang myself or or i'm gonna go and pull a gun that's just how it is it's nothing that you just the kids just sit down and talk anymore everything is 
um, they t- we take the kids take it more personal now than it used to be. Used to be it just was like it was it was free, and I'm probably saying it used to be because kind of showing my age, but mm-hmm. but it's like um, like I tell my son, I have a 15 year old, and I tell him communicate and not. He's like, here you go, being the therapist and not the mom. I was like, but they're still gonna come out being the mom first. That helps me be able to tell you and identify these things that are going on. So. I think it's more of because there's lack of communication within the kids and sometimes with the parents. You got it's got to it's not just the kids because sometimes the kids the kids have that fear of communicating with their parents. Okay, that's good. That's Can good. I add something to that? Please, Serena. Thank please. you. So I, I agree. It is the communication and the lack of communication and expressing how you feel, but it's also about communication and the abundance of it. So back in the day when you were bullied at school, it stopped right there. Mm-hmm. You may have that I meet you at three o'clock, but it stopped there. Uh-huh. Now with bullying, if they go on social media, the bullying continues. If they check their email, the bullying continues. If they watch something on television, the bullying continues. So it just doesn't stop anymore. Where before something would happen at school, lunchtime, after school, before school, at breakfast, and you can handle it during school hours. But now, it's the whole day, it's the whole time, it's 24-7. So the youth now don't get a chance to breathe from it. It's just on them. And because they don't have that other component of communication where they can actually express, this is how I feel, this is what's going on, then it just causes this volcanic effect and what we have are youth who are completing suicide. Mm-hmm. Let me just add a little bit. You know, you were, talk, you were talking about that anger you had. I grew up with that same type of anger. Mm-hmm. Got bullied until the age of 10 and always been inside. Uh, when I hit 11 or 12, hit a growth spurt. Now I'm bigger than most kids and I can take punches and I'm good at dishing them back out. The thing that I think is different is if me and you got in a fight back in the days, right? Then that little group of people that saw that fight, yep, they saw it. Now to kind of piggyback off of both of them, now everybody in the world sees me getting humiliated, right? Now I'm getting picked on, not just in my small community. The next town's over, you know. It's like getting beat up Worldwide. in Huntsville. Yeah, every, people know you, and so now you you feel obligated, pride. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I got I got to show show them something. That, that's what I would add to. Okay. I appreciate appreciate y'all input. I'm up here checking the time a little bit too. But what should I do if my child is being bullied? And what are the signs? I'm going to go with you, Jerry. Okay. So if, if your child is being bullied, first thing I would say is make sure you have an open line of communication. Make sure you got good support systems with your kids. As my wife Sherry said, you know, we're both therapists. Our kids don't want to talk to us about everything. So having an uncle, cousin, brother, friend, somebody they feel safe talking to that's going to relay information. Um, look look and see if your, your child have marks and bruises on them. I think, you know, sometimes we just take our kids' word for, okay, I just it's just it's not just a change in their image or their appearance. They start dressing different, acting different. 
uh, grades start to drop on a student may go from being a straight A student to uh, failing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, going back to the communication, that's their way of saying something's wrong. I want to talk to you, but I don't know how to talk, how to, talk to you. Oh, okay. Anybody else want to piggyback before I go in and indulge to the next question? I think in a situation to, with how can you, with the with the bullying, how do you know? Sometimes as far as kids, like, for example, I have some kids that say, hey, I can't go to my mom. I can't go to my dad. I can't go to grandma because sometimes they're the ones that also that are doing the bullying to them. So they don't know, well, if I'm, if they're doing it, who do I go to? Mm. So, and that it, it it is, and you know, so I think that also leads to some of the suicidal because you know, if it's the parent, it's the grandparent, or it's the it's uncle or auntie, sister or brother, then these are the people who they feel like they should be able to trust and talk to them. But those are the ones that are doing some of the bullying also to them. So it's kind of a mixture. You the piggyback on like what my husband said is you have to just kind of notice because I and sometimes it's hard but me I notice everything I notice with some a piece of hair is different something's different that's just me I'm, and I know a lot of people don't do that but you have to start noticing your child's the some of the things that has went from from ups to downs you have to and it's not that you're trying to get all up in their business but you are but you just got to make sure that you know your child your child is your business. Exactly. Period. All right. I'm going to go ahead and go to the next question. And I'm um, I'm trying not to skip the skip around because I got a whole lot of them. Now, we're talking about bullying and stuff like that. And y'all, you said your parents and stuff. And I, I'm quite sure you are auntie and I'm an uncle. What if you find out your child is the bully? Now, you, you seem you seem ready for that, Jerry. Go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> so, if you find out that your child is, is is the bully, then, like I said before, think about it. It's it's a learned behavior. The first place I, I think I better look around is okay. Has my child saw somebody being bullied? Have they saw me bullying them? Have uh, are they around people and and they've gotten bullied? So. If I want to fit in and not get bullied, believe it or not, the next thing I'm going to do is bully people so I don't have to deal with that behavior. But I still think an open line of communication. One thing we do in our family, and it was hard for me to do because I didn't come from this background, mm -hmm. is we have a table. We sit down with our kids, and we talk. No phones, no TV. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk. You tell me what your, your complaint is. What has dad done wrong? What has mom done wrong? What are your struggles? Don't try to sugarcoat it. You know, be respectful. <laughs> you know, you're not cussing and acting the fool, but what's really going on? You know, all the time, your kids aren't going to tell you everything, but if you got a safe place and a time for them to talk, then that can help you get to the root of that. I don't know if I really touched on answering that question. Oh, okay. Sheree, you want to add? Um, very valid what you're saying, because what popped into my head, especially with um, the youth that I see, <clears throat> they typically are not the first bullied but they're the ones that got caught they're the ones that got in trouble mm -hmm. because sometimes when you're bullied you know hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. so they respond but then they respond more aggressively 
because for them it's a buildup of what they have been experiencing. So if it was my nieces or nephew, well, one, it's not acceptable no matter what the reason is, but I would definitely do the investigation similar to what you were saying, Jerry, and seeing like what's going on, what are you around, who's bullying you, what are you seeing, do you feel like I'm bullying you? All of those um, questions need to be answered. But I think most importantly, it bullying is, is a core factor. Um, core factor core, meaning? As in the core of self. Okay. Self-esteem. Because some people are bullied and they can roll off their back. And I think that really has something to do with how they feel about self. Okay. So that's what I mean by a core thing. Okay, just want to break you down for the yes, audience. For sure, for sure. And having that, just tying that into the previous conversation, having that relationship with one adult, when we say at least one adult is important because that one adult helps you with communication, helps you identify who you are, um, lets you know where you're strong, just making sure that you're okay with core. So when things are said to you, when things are done, they won't impact you as much. And you don't necessarily feel the need to retaliate. Appreciate it. Sherry, suicide rates for black children has doubled between the ages five through 12 over the past 10 years, according to research. But after doing extensive research on this topic, most of them don't know the reason why black kids between that age bracket is committing suicide and, and doubling the weight, the rate of white kids. I read that possibly it has can lead to diabetes, but I'm not taking, I'm not even accepting that. That was to me. Where'd you whack. read that? I, oh, <laughs> I, that? That is extremely whack. So I'm not going to accept that. Why are kids th- during these age, during between the ages five and twelve? are killing our, themselves at doubling the rate than before. Um, Sherry. <laughs> um, I think in that, with that age group, um, at first, they're, at that age group, they really don't really have a an identity yet. You know, because when it's, it's more of what they say, what somebody says to them uh, what somebody does to them is not really identifying who they really are, and so and sometimes in our culture, mm-hmm. we are taught what sta- what goes on in the house stays in the house. So the worst advice ever, but ever go ahead. in life. So <laughs> so it's like you know if something is going on, you know, are we can we say something? Mm-hmm. Are we you know? Uh, do I go tell mom? Do I go and tell dad? And and plus sometimes it it's a it's a lot of single parent homes. So if they don't have anybody to talk to or let this or communicate, then it's like I don't have anybody. So mm-hmm. I think they feel like if they don't have anybody, then why be here? Mm. So therefore it's you know, I think that's why it has increase because our kids don't really have um 
somebody to rely somebody on. to rely on or that that parent there like and i can't really just say it's our culture either because it's it's other cultures too but ours just seem to be more significant at this time because we're most of the time single parents they're they're always working and they don't have anybody there so you think it's more to do with economics or upbringing or geographics where you live at it's in some forms i think it is and then in some it's just like we said earlier lack of communication there's no really good line of communication there to have someone to talk to that because we always been you know if you go and say something to mom or dad you go in there and you say all right it's okay or you know sometimes we we kind of do that ignoring a little bit sometimes especially if if it's a lot of stuff that we're doing that we got going on or retired or you know if it's a long day at work and sometimes we like you know it's a hit and miss sometimes sometimes we pay attention it's to that point where we pay attention and then it's like okay you all right go ahead we don't, you know you don't see nothing that we think oh you just don't feel good or something you just had a bad day mm-hmm. and it's not that really that they're having a bad day they've had several bad days that they're just you know i need at that point i need somebody to talk to and it's being pushed away a little bit well um, people are chopping at the bits of this question go ahead Sharita, go ahead <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll give it to jerry to I... finish it off. so <laughs> i was trying i was trying <laughs> So I teach a course called Youth Mental Health First Aid. Okay. Okay. And we talk a lot about, you know, just typical adolescent development and just the differences that we see culturally. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come with a cultural perspective. And I'll use myself as an example. I was probably an adult when I realized what suicide was. Okay. Okay. And that's because I was educated on it, because I'm a helping professional. Mm. As a child, I knew nothing about suicide. I didn't know anything about how you um, attempt suicide, complete suicide, or even how you self-injure. Knew nothing of that. Mm-hmm. Our youth now are exposed to all of that. Mm-hmm. So I had I had a, a patient just recently that I had to assess because she threatened to end her life. Um, but she didn't mean it. She said it to get out, get out of the situation that she was in. Okay. okay. And she was in that age range. So I think with that group and what's happening now is that they're being exposed to it, told about it, but don't really understand what it, what the finalness of it is. Yeah. And so that's why in our community we're seeing an increase because now they know about it. Now they're being exposed to it. Now they know what it is. Now they can research it. Now they can actually Google and find out ways to do it. When before that wasn't our knowledge base. It was something that happened in the adult world. And quite frankly, because we do have that closed door in the house, stays in the house. If someone in our family did complete suicide, we wouldn't know about it. We weren't told about it. But now it's all over the place and I can go, sometimes it is a learned behavior. To me, it sounds like you're saying it's due to technology and Mm -hmm. education. No, 
is due to the abundance of technology and exposure. Okay, clear it okay. up. Okay, all right. Okay. Because, you know, we need technology. <laughs> you don't need nothing to shut down on us. Okay. <laughs> it's not, it's the, it is the presence of technology. It's the access of information. It is the lack of lack of education on mental health and suicide prevention and things of that nature within our community because there's still a grave stigma on mental health. And it is those reasons why that group, there is an increase. Go ahead, Jerry. Take us home so, on this question. So let me read what I and I hate to read off a piece of paper, but I'm, but it's pretty much touches what they were talking about. It says my opinion links back to technology issues, undiagnosed mental health issues, lack of education on how to help our youth, mass incarceration, which leads lack lack of support, um, and also black churches are moving from being the primary support system in the black community. Hmm. So who's going to replace that? Who do I go to now? Because used to, I would go to my pastor when I was struggling, when my kids were in trouble, when I didn't know what to do. You know, now that's not so in our community. Not like it used to be when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So where do they get the support from? Because mental health does have a certain stigmatism to it in the black community. Uh, That's taught in every college course that you go to. First thing that you learn, mass incarceration. Let's not kid ourselves. Not having... A father figure in the home impacts the mother, the kids, and everybody. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, me and my wife have walked into situations to where people are looking like, oh, it's both of y'all. Yeah, it's both of us. Mm-hmm. Both of us. We're both coming. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad, mm-hmm. right? So I think it plays a, it makes a big difference uh, to that child having somebody they can relate to. Like, you have an experience you can give to your, your nephew or nieces, right? I, I've been there. It doesn't mean that you're you're gonna you're gonna make it past this point in your life. If you hold on, communicate, and let us in, we're gonna help you get through it. But if you don't have somebody that you can talk to about that, then you you can feel lost. Good points, very good points. I'm going to the next question, and I'm not going to skip this question, but I'm going to go to question nine. How come schools do a poor job on bullying and preventing suicides? Are schools, I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are schools equipped with the right personnel to handle this crisis that is going on in the black community? Sharita, you can't be eating the microphone. (laughs) Go ahead, Sharita. I think you are giving the schools too much responsibility in this community affair. Okay? What? Too much responsibility. The school, the school is, we are not a one classroom teacher society anymore. We don't have one teacher that teaches individuals from little to big and have that relationship anymore. That's not that function. Now, if that was the function, then yes, I would say that the um, the schools would have a little bit more involvement. But right now, their job is to teach our children. They are to learn, and they're learning reading, math, arithmetic. All of that is what the schools are for. Now, there are people in place at the schools to help offset 
what is happening in the community, but we can't put that much on the schools. If we are asking our schools to prevent bullying and suicide, when does my child get to learn? Because it is a community effort. Don't get me wrong. I see the way you're looking at me. I actually do teach, um, not children, but um, teachers and other individuals in school systems on how to identify and deal with mental health crises when it comes to youth. That is my role because we need individuals in place to be able to support. But it's not their responsibility. It is not. It's not. Sarita, uh, sorry, Jerry. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to in dive in this. Go ahead. Uh, I just read you the list of people. And a lot of these kids went to the principal, went to the teachers, went to the faculty, told them they're being bullied, told them uh, what's going on. But do you know that for sure? Because the question is different than what you're saying now. But okay, because if you're looking at if you're looking at those particular situations, you have to know whether or not they actually took those steps. There are quite a few students that that I work with who do not tell the teacher, who do not tell the principal, who do not tell the counselor, and they still feel that way. So if you're looking at and by no means am I taking away the magnitude of what happened with those youth. You know, my prayers go out to their family, but you're. You don't know whether or not that if they took those steps or not. Well, so it, it's just not the school's responsibility. Now, it is their responsibility to act if something is reported. Yes, that is for sure. That's but what I'm it, talking but about. In, that's a different question. Okay, then. that's what I'm talking. That's about. That's a different question. These individuals reported, and and many articles have have came to the teachers and uh, to faculty, the principal saying that being bullied and then never, the school didn't do anything. So I hear what you're saying, but I but I feel the school has a, a responsibility. When I used to get in a the fight, they kicked me out. Suspended me, ISS, whatever. They took the, uh, the preliminary uh, steps to make sure I didn't do any danger to anybody else. But the laws are different now. You. You're you're just looking at it one facet. The laws are different where they cannot suspend just every time something happens, where they have to find ways to don't want things in house. You're looking at laws that have changed and if someone does anything to offend or to hurt, then that person can be kicked out of school and be charged with a misdemeanor or a felony, depending on where they are. But you're there there are things that are in place in the school within a school system, within the school district, within the states regarding secondary education and elementary education that prevents teachers and principals and counselors and social workers, it limits them in what they can do. Now the things that they have been able to do, they put in place, like every teacher or counselor that I talk to, there is a suicide protocol that they have to go through. There are FERPA. FERPA is in place to protect um, the privacy of children and students. So there are things in place as best as a teacher, as an educator or someone in that system, there are things in place already or that they're putting in place um, to help with these things, but they're not the sole responsibility. 
I didn't say that, Sharita, but we got to go move on. Jerry, can you please shed some light on this question before we... Um, and and I, I really hear your passion, and I hear her her passion. Do I need to re- repeat the question because you kind of got in? <laughs> uh, I'm, Are you good? This, oh, Do I'm I need good. To repeat, the, re- repeat it one more time. Uh, this yes. weekend. Make it clear. <laughs> How come schools do a poor job on bullying and preventing suicides? Are schools equipped with the right personnel to handle this crisis going on in the black community? Jerry. No, they're not. They're not. They're not equipped with the right personnel. Why? School counselors and staff were only able to put a bandaid on an open wound. Um, thinking about mental health, a lot. Of, a lot of times in our communities, when they get this child, you may not get a child that just found out that they were ADHD. Mm-hmm. They, they're struggling with other issues. So here's a teacher trying to teach classes, trying to make sure kids are not using all of this unnecessary technology. I know we need some of it, but some of it's unnecessary, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, they're also trying to make sure these kids are okay. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the things that I, and it's, it's still taboo in our community. And as a parent, I think we're responsible for teaching our kids. You know, when the, as when the summer, as a parent, mm-hmm. and when the, when the summer rolls out, I, <laughs> when the summer rolls out, I don't, I don't say that my kids are going to stop learning. I'm going to educate them on things. I'm going to teach them about black history. I'm going to teach them uh, about communication. I'm going to teach them these things because I can't, it's not that I don't respect the teachers. Teachers work hard. But as a parent, I'm responsible for making sure my kids are educated about everything. Can I piggyback on a little? (laughs) Please. Okay, so I was listening to what what everybody was saying and a job that I I sometimes do Okay. They, as far as teachers and schools, they are not equipped. You have some of the teachers to tell you, hey, I don't know what to do in this situation. Hmm. So, but I know, say, for instance, in Decatur City Schools and okay. in Morgan County Schools, right? there are counselors that actually go to the school to see kids. There are high-risk kids where there's somebody to see them immediately when when the teach when the counselor or the school calls and say hey this person comes to me and said hey we have these kind of thoughts they have these kind of thoughts or they have ideation or they have even tried it prior to came to school it didn't happen and the, the parents sent them to school mm-hmm. they we have or they have someone there to come to the school, to a counselor, a therapist, LPC, ALCs, uh, social workers that are there that comes to the school to help them because they don't have the sources as far as a school counselor is basically a school counselor. They help with trying to get a kid into school, a college somewhere, or put them on that path. They, they do sometimes, but they don't have the same they take the same classes that we do, but it's mostly towards education versus mental health. So therefore, there is some of the schools. I don't know about all the schools are letting counselors come in, but there are schools that let counselors come in to counsel those those kids that need that extra help. And then if they need need be, they refer them out to hey, say, hey, you need to go get evaluated because this is. You know, these thoughts are not going away. So, no, they're not equipped. But some of the schools do have some uh, resources where 
they have somebody out there to help them. Thank you, Sherry. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is <laughs> there is an expectation for the school to have more roles in in preventing bullying and suicide. And part of part of what 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 I want to make sure we're all saying is that when we see somebody, we see them for an hour. This teacher has 32 kids. Exactly. That they have to see. That they have to teach. Exactly. Where, and and you think about it, it would take me a whole week to see all 32 of those kids and to do the work that I would need to do. If they showed up. If they showed up. Exactly. If they showed up. And I would probably get uh, 16. 15. (laughs) (laughs) Right around that number of them. Well, I'm getting getting the sign from my engineer, so I'm going to have to some of these questions short but I'm going to ask the last question so we're going to quickly wrap up um, if what how can I help to protect young people in my life from bullying and commit suicide um, if y'all can give up a short answer if you can do not understand but uh, provide us I'm going to start with Sharita and then go around the table and we'll we'll end it from there. Go ahead, Sharita. So since I'm not always available, my go-to is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Okay. Um, and that line is open 365 days, 66 on a leap year, 24-7. That number is 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-TALK. 8255. I would say um, to educate as parents, educate. And it doesn't have to be parents, any family member, friends, um, outside, anybody, educate and keep that line of communication open. I would piggyback off and say the line of communication and also giving us a call at Complete Counseling. This is a selfless plug on the two at 256-213-1934. And we would love to, to help anybody. Well, we're especially passionate about helping in the black community, but in every community also. All right. I appreciate Sharita, Sherry, and Jerry for uh, being our special guest on the show. I believe we said some, uh, we talked about a lot, of, a lot of key things that need to be talked about with regards to bullying and suicide in the community. I hope the people that are, that are going to listen on, listen in uh, later on will get something out of it, and hopefully we can prevent somebody, a young child in our in our black youth, uh, from taking the necessary steps uh, from, from killing themselves because every life is is worth something, and we can prevent uh, many of kids from doing this. We'll, is 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 a benefit. Um, once again, I thank everyone for coming on the show. But before I end this, I like to say this: uh, I end it with uh, some knowledge. Knowledge is power. Economic freedom is salvation. But if you put those two together, we can develop a great nation. Thank you for listening to Rebuke. This is Marcus J. We'll see you soon next week. Thank you. <laughs>